2: in the bayous on a houseboat Tammy was as fresh and sparkling as the spring as sheltered as her goat as wise as her rebellious grandpa and then one day the wreckage they salvaged yielded a strange treasure a worldly young man and handsome too I just know about living and dying and getting born I don't know about loving but I figure I can learn co-starring Leslie Nielsen and Walter Brennan Ain't no need for you to hang your head. Cause of some fool law they made up in Washington about corn liquor. Her rival in love, Mala Powers, the professor Sidney Blackmer, Miss Rennie Mildred Natwick, and Ernie, perpetually on the make. What's eating you anyway? I don't like you taking off with Tammy like this. Yes, for Tammy, civilization was filled with wonder. But civilization had never met anything more wonderful than Tammy herself. Well, it isn't amusing. It's dreadful. It's shocking. Mother... Mother, I'm sure that that... I reckon you don't want anybody around who's kin to somebody in jail. So I'll I'll thank you for the night's lodging and and I'll be going. You told me once I was afraid of being a failure. Well, you're right. No, can't you see, Pete? You're just one of a line that goes back beyond the time of knowing a line of people that ever wrestle with the earth to get their living from it
0: All right, hi guys, it's us again. Back with a special bonus episode. It will be our Mother's Day episode belated, um, yeah. and also our bonus episode about uh, some of the facts and stuff that we found from our previous episodes. So, welcome to the Tragedy of Cinema special edition. I'm your host. Bonus <laughs> time. I'm your host, Jimbo, and my co-host, as usual, Terence. Terence, Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, we're going to be doing something a little bit different today. Um, We have um, two movies that we think our moms will enjoy, uh, we wanted to cover. Um, There's not a lot of information for these, so that's why we joined them together and also with our bonus features to make it probably about a normal average episode. So, um, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into my mom's movie that I chose for her, and that would be Tammy and The Bachelor. And, and before, tar- yep. Oh, sorry, no, we are, Before, before we dive into that, uh, just let you know that this is one of my mom's favorite movies. So don't butcher. it. No, I'm <laughs> uh, and it's a show I seen when I was a kid. So I hadn't seen it since, but I know she'll enjoy it. Gotcha. Um, and just
1: to uh, go over what we're going to you know, go through today, uh, we're going to start off with Jimbo's mom's movie, uh, Tammy and the Bachelor. So we're going to, as usual, go over the information, then we're going to hit awards, then we're going to hit facts, and then opinions, and then we're going to then transition into my mom's movie. Um, the One of her favorite movies And then, you know, same format And then after that, we're going to move into Updated information on movies we've covered And corrections and so on and so forth Yes,
0: Terrence makes all kinds of mistakes <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> And then finally bring it to a close So with that being said um, is, there, is there a question for the bonus episode? There is Oh, well, let's do Terrence, it
0: Terrence, if you could have A mother from the movies Who would you choose as your mother?
1: From movie, okay, so it has if it has to be from the movies, because obviously I would just choose my mom. Right.
0: Right, right. (laughs) Okay, so you might want to choose my mom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, a a mother from movies, I would have to go. Mrs.
0: Voorhees. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) that's terrible.
1: That was terrible. Um, Let me think. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a lot of the. Um, sort of you know mother figures in movies because there's so many, and then it's like hard just coming down. To you say just there's one. so many, but you can't
0: even think of one. I know name, can't
1: you? it's one of those moments where um, at any other point you can probably name off these things, but when you're put on the spot and you're asked to like, what is this, and you
0: suddenly can't think of any. Well, I think it'd be easier if we said a TV mom because you know you have June Cleaver from Leave It to Beaver, you have the Brady Bunch mom, you have all these other moms that are on TV portrayed yeah. more. Um, I'm trying to think myself of a movie um, my mother I would like to have in the movie and it's really hard to come up with something yeah so.
1: absolutely uh, I want I want to say um, shoot <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terrence that's, yeah no that's that's I know I'm on burning time with this one because <laughs> I, I'm just trying to think of one uh, I would say the sort of now not Uh, Mother figure uh, From Fresh Prince Bel-Air
0: But that's TV That's not movie Uh, So we're Okay When you said TV I'm uh, gonna go I'm gonna take the easy way out I'm gonna go with Padme From Star Wars
1: (laughs) Okay Well it it was funny Because I was thinking I'm like Like what would be An easy one And then you can also Include um, Princess Leia uh, Because she is a mother Right Um, But uh, Let's see What about like
0: Beverly Crusher From Star Trek well, see, I'm not, I, haven't,
1: I haven't seen uh, too much of Star
0: Trek. Oh, yeah. oh, Terrence, some people be disappointed in you. Right. Well, I mean, it's, all,
1: it's always that thing. It's like either you're all in on one or the other, and right. I'm all in on Star Wars. And then you get the rare, like yourself, where you're all in on both. Um, I, for me, it was just all in on Star Wars. I have seen a bit of Star Trek, enough to appreciate it. Right. But I haven't, like, gone all in on
0: it. I wonder what Eric's going to say to you when he hears this. <laughs> oh, he he's going to have to
1: fill you in. Ain't he, he? He's, he's already disappointed. I can hear him shaking his head from here. <laughs> Um. So, okay, we'll just let you
0: have the Fresh Prince Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do th- that. that way, yeah. yeah.
1: All right, so um, moving into Tammy and the Bachelor. So, uh, release date August 23rd, 1957. Uh, this was directed by Joseph uh, Pevney. Pe- pe- am I saying that right? I Let's think see. So. Uh, Yeah, we'll go with Pevney. Probably should have read read the uh, name beforehand, (laughs) so I didn't butcher it so bad. All right. Uh, The writers were uh, Oscar uh, Rodney. That was the screenplay adaptation. Um, Sid Ricketts uh, Sumner. Sumner wrote the novel. So this movie is based off a novel. Okay. Uh, that's always really fun to know and and Um, in case
0: you haven't can't tell in his voice he hasn't seen this movie yeah this this one I'm coming in blind Uh, I threw him him to it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is something
1: I will eventually get to uh, just because you know we're doing an episode on it Um, but I didn't have enough time to get to the movie
0: and when you do watch it I'll come back and ask your opinion on it you can Uh, say hey I finally watched this
1: we can put that in on the next bonus episode Uh, so we got the writers okay so run time we're looking at an hour and 29 minutes uh, sound mix is mono, which is Wester recording system. Uh, this was filmed in color. Aspect ratio, 2.35 by 1. It was a negative format of 35 millimeter. Uh, the cinemagraphic process was Cinemascope. Uh, that is one we have covered uh, in a past uh, episode. Uh, printed film format, 35 millimeter, And then jumping into the awards, uh, during the Academy Awards USA 1958, it was nominated for... Uh, uh, It it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Music Original Song uh, Written by Ray Evans, uh, Leigh Livingston uh, for the song Tammy Uh, The Box Office Magazine Awards in 1957 It won, it won the Box Office Blue Ribbon Award For Best Picture of the Month uh, for the Whole Family July, okay, so it's a Wholesome family movie. It is very different. okay, uh, and that was Joseph. Uh, okay, so the director Joseph Pevney. uh The during the laura Awards in 1958, it was nominated for a Golden Laurel for top comedy and top female performance by Debbie Reynolds. So, with that, we were going to jump into the synopsis of the movie. So. An unsophisticated young woman from the Mississippi swamps falls in love with an unconventional Southern gentleman.
0: Oh, tragic love <laughs> story! So now we're going to jump into the cast. Of course, Debbie Reynolds played the lead role as Tammy. Leslie Nielsen played Peter Brent. Hmm. Walter Brennan played Grandpa. Mel- Mala Powers played Barbara. Sydney Blackmer played Professor Brent. Mildred Natwick played Aunt Rennie. Faye Ray played Mrs. Brent, Philip Ober played Alfred Bissy. Craig Hill played Ernie, Louise Beavers, Osea, and April Kent as Tina. Um, I'm going to dive into the unknown facts and trivia. There is not a lot on this movie because it is older and the information is just not there. So I'll give you what I have. Um, unknown fact. Debbie Reynolds was pregnant with her daughter Carrie Fisher and 24 year- years old when she was filming this movie. Oh, wow. So this might be Princess Leia's first movie. <laughs> the title <laughs> <On> screen son- <laughs> before she was on screen. Right. Uh, the title song, Tammy, became a number one hit for Debbie Reynolds winning a gold record in 1957.
1: Okay. I think at the very least I'm going to have to hear that song. Yeah, I'll play it for you <laughs> here in a little
0: bit. Uh, Debbie Reynolds' single, Tammy, spent 23 weeks on the Top 40 chart, starting uh, July 22, 1957. It was number one for five weeks. It's also nominated for Best Song Academy Award for 1957, but lost to All the Way from the film The Joker is Wild in 1957.
1: Huh. That's an interesting title. I've never heard of that movie, but it's, it's a cool title.
0: In August 1957, this film was being shown on a double bill with The Midnight Story in 1957. Included among the American Films Institute 2000 list of the 500 movies nominated for the top 100 funniest American movies. Okay. So, it's got a little bit of comedy in yeah. there, too. So. And uh, Leslie Nelson, who co-starred in this movie, went on to be portrayed in probably some movies you have seen. The Naked Gun series, oh, as okay. well as Dracula, Dead and Loving Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was one of the two names that I was familiar with. <laughs>
0: right. um, I was like, I, when, I, when I went back to see him, I was like, that's Leslie Nelson' because he's so young and oh, yeah. he's a pretty good looking dude. You know what I mean? Because oh, I'm yeah. used to the white hair, you know, the all yeah, the, the, the... <laughs> So But like I said, there's not too much move, uh, information on this movie. So, Mom, I did my best. So I hope you're proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So moving
1: into my mom's favorite Did I miss something?
0: Well, I was just going to say, are you going to take a little bit of a pause before we go in here?
1: Oh, yeah, that's right, Uh, because we're going to play the trailer.
3: Right. It's a beautiful day. All is calm and peaceful in the meadow. Or is it? If you look closely, very closely, (laughs) you'll discover a whole new world with a world of difference, full of exciting adventure and desperate conflict.
2: We've got to go away from the warren. All of
3: us. Go away?
2: Yes, before it's too late. There's something wrong. with the about? They're coming.
3: A world of ruthless tyranny and brave rebellion. I'll settle with you, myself, bigwig. Come on and try, you crack braid slave driver. A world of incredible courage and mortal fear terrible thing is coming. What do you mean? The field, it's covered with blood. A world which bears a very curious resemblance to our own so-called human world in many ways. You're all under arrest. Under arrest? What do you mean? What for?
2: Spreading dissension, inciting to mutiny.
3: Watership Down, the best-selling novel which has been magically transformed into the most unusual and provocative film. You're ever likely to see. What are you doing, Connor? I've come to let you out. Will you come with us? Uh, uh, We're all right, right here. Uh,
2: yes. There he goes. Go.
3: for Hazel.
2: He looks dangerous. Violet's gone.
3: Where are we going? We must go on until we reach the hills. I don't believe you know where you're going. Now listen to me, you bunch of mole-snouted muckraking. Watch this. See? You stupid bunnies! Perfect branding. Come on, for your lives! All the world will be your enemy, prince with a thousand enemies, and whenever they catch you. They will kill you. Let them go. It's that chief bigwig I'm after. I'm from a warren where life is free. Trust me. We can escape, believe me. Yes. Take a glimpse into another world and you'll never look at a meadow again without remembering Watership Down. And that was the trailer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna cut that part off. So. <laughs> so let's go ahead and go back to the <laughs> movie. So,
1: we're now moving into one of my mom's favorite movies. Um, and we actually watched this together uh, a lot when I was a kid, and it's uh, one of my favorite, you know, memories and I do really like this animated movie, and that is Watership Down, uh, which was released November first, nineteen seventy eight. Uh, We weren't able to find the budget for this particular film. Um, I mean, it's an animation, and on top of that, uh, this was made in the U.K., and maybe they just don't post stuff like that. So um, going from there, uh, it's interestingly enough, it's rated PG, although uh, some scenes uh, would not be (laughs) kid-friendly. It really depends. It's definitely a a movie um, that you should screen before... Like, watch it yourself before, you know, maybe show the kids. There's, and then you there's some
0: it. violence towards animals in it, but it's not, it's. It's all, it all. N- it's nature.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we'll get into that into the facts. Um,. And so, anyway, back to the uh, information here. Uh, its runtime is an hour and 31 minutes. Its sound mix is Dolby. And interesting fact, this was one of the first movies, right, to uh, be screened uh, in Dolby's as far as the sound mix goes. Um, this was color, technicolor, uh, aspect ratio. Um, now, there are a lot of aspect ratios for this particular movie since it was released on multiple formats. Uh, so, for a VHS release, we're looking at 1.33 by 1. For the UK Blu-ray release, we we're looking for 1.78 by 1. For the director specified for citation, or I'm sorry, um, curation release, uh, we're looking at 1.85 by 1. And then an extra unlabeled one, which is made probably the um, theatrical release maybe, uh, uh, 1.66 by 1. Uh, this was done in uh, at Technicolor. Uh, it's negative format, 35 millimeter. It's cinemagraphic process, was spherical. Oh, man. Man. See, I had my phone on silent. I
0: know. I forgot to silence mine. <laughs> but I do have a question before you keep going. Yes. Um, you said Technicolor. Now, we know The Wizard of Oz was filmed in Technicolor. So how is it different from an animation standpoint there. So
1: instead of a set, you're using an animation studio. So every studio, well, I, I shouldn't say every studio, not every studio does animation, but the ones that do do animation, uh, they'll have their on set, you know, uh, uh, places to film and whatnot, and then they have a separate building, same location uh, for animators and, and, you know, recording studios, whatnot for the voice actors. Hmm. Okay, Just so it's all like, it's all like on one big lot. You have all your your sets, and then you have your offices, and then your animation studio, which I'd imagine it's its own building. If it you know goes uh, uh, deep enough into that sort of realm of th- of things, or alternatively, some studios uh, outsource their animation because uh, they don't have an animation studio themselves. So that's a little fun fact about animation. Oh, well, there we go. Yep. <laughs> uh, so let's see. We left off at the uh, printed film format, 35 millimeter. So now, jumping into the awards of Watership Down, we're looking at the Academy of Science Fiction and Fantasy, and uh, Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA 1979. Uh, it won a uh, Saturn Award for Best Animation, and it also was nominated for Best Fantasy Film. Uh, which is very interesting. Seeing as it probably contended with the actual film, right? <laughs> um, then we're looking at the Chicago International Film Festival, of 1978. It was nominated for a Golden Hugo for Best Feature, uh, Martin Rosen. Uh, then the Hugo Awards in 1979, uh, that they got a nominee for Best Dramatic Presentation, uh, once again Martin Rosen, the screenplay director. Uh, and Richard Adams, which is the author of the book that the movie is based off of. Uh, satellite Awards 2008, so way in the future. After this was animated, uh, it was nominated for a Satellite Award for Best Youth DVD Deluxe Edition. Yeah. And so, with that, we'll jump to the synopsis of the movie. A warren of rabbits leave their burrows to get away from the human intervention and tyranny, to establish freedom in a new world where they can live happy and free. But traveling along comes with new problems and traps that they have not planned on. Will the warren of rabbits survive to reach their ultimate destination? To be free in a world to raise their families. That's a very good synopsis. Very um, good movie.
0: This, this also had a, uh, a huge. Uh, this is star a stacked cast, cast. yes. Um, very most stacked. of them. People aren't going to realize, but they are British uh, Yes, big actors. British
1: actors, right. absolutely.
0: So we'll go ahead and jump into the cast. Uh, a
1: little a little joke that I just want to throw in is like, all notable British actors have one time or another appeared in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: probably true. It really is. Uh, so we have John Hurt was Hazel. Richard Bryars was Fiverr. Michael Graham Cox, big wig voice. Uh, John Bennett played Captain Holly. Ralph Richardson, Chief Rabbit. Simon Cadell, Blackberry. Terrence Rigby, Silver. Roy Kinnear, Pipkin. Richard O'Callaghan, Callahan, Callaghan, Callaghan, uh, Play Dandelion. Denholm Elliott, Cowslip. Lynn Farley, Cat. Uh, Mary Maddox, Clover. Zero Mustel, Kehar. Kih- Harry Andrews, General Woundwort. Hannah Gordon, his, his and So, I know I slaughtered some of those names. <laughs> We're used to it. <laughs> it happens. So, ready for some unknown facts and trivia about The Watership Down. Let's do it. The British Board of Film Classification is still receiving complaints about this movie four decades after its release due to the board's de- decision to classify it U suitable for all. The BBFC admitted in 2012 that it had received complaints about the suitability of Watership Down at U almost every year since its classification.
1: Yeah. And I'd imagine there's been some flack over here too, seeing as it's made, uh, it's been labeled as PG still. Um, right. If you look it up on uh, online, it's still PG.
0: Well, that brings me to my next point. It is considered to be the most violent animated PG rated movie ever made. Yep. So... Um, was originally directed by john hubley who died in 1977 the year i was born he and his wife faith's work can still be found in this movie most notably in the fable scene
1: hmm. interesting
0: in the uk this movie opened uh, at the empire leicester square cinema on october 19th my son's birthday uh, 1978 and expanded to the rest of the uk the following year it became the sixth-highest-grossing movie of 1979 at the British box office. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty big. Especially for an animated movie. Right. Most of the locations in this movie either exist or were based on real places in Hampshire, England, and surrounding areas.
1: I can see that. Yeah, he was, He liked to base a lot of things off of fact and things that existed.
0: In December 2011, property developers announced that they were planning to develop Sandalford Park near Newbury, Berkshire, in a real-life parallel to the fictitious development of this area which prompted the rabbits to leave the warren in the book and movie of Watership Down. Richard Adams, the author of the book, plans to organize stiff opposition to the development. I'm going to oppose it in tooth and nail. It's a beautiful piece of open country in the most beautiful area south of Newbury. The very ideal building on it makes your gorge rise.
1: Okay, so it was very much an environmentalist, right?
0: He was he was upset that they were going to destroy basically the countryside. Exactly, and I, I can I can
1: definitely see that. I, I know um, at least out here, in um, Indiana, uh, you know, there's been a lot of development going on, and I know I've actually heard a lot of um, complaints about it. Oh yeah, uh, you know, there's,
0: there's, sometimes there's stiff competition at those town hall meetings and all that that yeah, people,
1: especially rate. because you know it's a lot of sort of commercial development. and It's like let's just. Keep our uh, you know nice you know country one of our area. one of
0: our mottos is there is more than corn in Indiana because it used <laughs> to be all be cornfields. Uh, this is the first animated movie to be presented in Dolby Stereo in theaters. Sir John Hurt and Richard Briers, who played Hazel and Fiverr respectively in this movie, returned to uh, return to voice General Woundwort and the new character Captain Broom, respectively in Watership Down in 1999, a television series adaptation of the book.
1: So there was a series in
0: 1999. 1999. Interesting. Right. Huh. I, I, I haven't I, seen that I one. I haven't
1: either. I've, I've only seen the movie. And right. you don't know, know about the, the newest adaptation. It's coming. Yeah. Uh,
0: this movie was popular with adults who attended late-night screenings. <laughs> the backgrounds and locations, especially Ephrapha and the nearby railway, are nearly perfect matches in, to the diagrams and maps in Richard Adams' book. This was the first movie to feature Sir John her and Sir Nigel Hawthorne both appeared in two other animated movies: The Plague Dogs in 1983, which was also based on a Richard Adams book, and The Black Cauldron in 1985.
1: Oh wow, that's really interesting. Also, I did not know John Hurt. Or, uh, John Hurt was Sir. Was who? Uh, I didn't, like knighted.
0: Oh yeah, Sir. A lot yeah. of people from England are knighted.
1: That's true. Uh, but still, it's like always interesting to when, uh, you, when hear you say it. it yeah, because like Sir John Hurt, Connery, Sir I'm like, John, John
0: Connery. Connery. <laughs> His voicing of Kihar was the last movie work for Zero Mostel. Alongside The Plague Dogs in 1983, The Secret of Nim* in 1982, and The Last Unicorn in 1982, this is easily considered one of the darkest and most violent animated films of the late 20th century despite being rated PG in the cases of this film and The Plague Dogs in 1983, and G, in the cases of the Secret of Nim, 1982, and The Last Unicorn, all four of these films were released before the PG-13 uh, rating existed. Interesting. Yeah, I
1: imagine they would easily be bumped up to right. those if they did exist. Interesting uh, that Secret of Nim popped up because that's another one of my absolute favorite animations. It seems that seems you don't really hear about it. It kind of like flew under the radar as far as you know what's typically talked about when you talk about old right. animation. I love Secret of Nim.
0: Watership Down was adapted into a stage play in 2016. The show was performed at Watermill Theater and only had nine actors. It lasted from June 2016 to July 2016. It featured puppetry, physical theater, as well as live actor.
1: Huh. I was wondering how that would be pulled off as a stage play.
0: It'd be interesting if you could find it. Yeah, right? Uh, Martin Rosen's, uh, this is Martin Rosen's directorial debut. Uh, in Holly's flashback of his time in Ephrathah, which occurs long before the other rabbits have even heard of Big Bigwig can be clearly seen talking with the Ephrathian rabbits. This was taken from a scene later in the movie.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, Bigwig disappears, then reappears on screen as the rabbits enter the shed near the cemetery. Okay, yeah. Huh. So even, even though it's animated, it still had some bloopers or... Yeah, yeah exactly. You know I mean? <laughs> some, some little faux pas. In a uh, wide shot of bigwig spotting Heisenlathale Hisen, and Blackavar in the distance, they appear as two rabbits with normal erect ears. In the next shot, Blackavar's ears are shredded or drooping as they should be. When Cowslip tells the poem about the stream and the camera tilts up towards the ceiling, his head disappears before it has a chance to completely go off screen. Huh. After Bigwig is rescued from the snare, thanks to having a wooden peg dug out of the ground, there's a wide, wider shot showing the snare and the wooden peg. There should be a hole near the peg to note that the rabbits had just dug it out of the ground, but no holes appear. All you see is the peg lying on the ground.
1: So some tiny little details that were missed. Right.
0: The coloring of the rabbits shifted several times from brown to gray, particularly when they are outside cowslips worn. So, the shading. Yeah. Um, in 2018, Watership Down was remade featuring James McAvoy as Hazel, Ben Kingsley as General Wound Hobart, and John Boyega, who is known as Finn from Saint, yeah. the new Star like It like appeared in my <laughs> head, and I was like, wait, is that right? That's yeah, big. <laughs> So, Terrence, um, go ahead and give me your – since you have seen this one, let's go – and I've seen this one. let's talk about your opinions on this movie. So, like I said before, uh,
1: if it's something that you do want to watch with your kids, definitely screen it first. um, Because, obviously, depending on your style of parenting is if you would allow them to watch it or not. So, screen it first. It's a very good movie. Um, It's it's got some very interesting – Uh, uh, sort of uh, messages within the movie and another fun fact that I do know about the movie is that the author uh, the author (laughs) the author author who who wrote the book actually studied rabbits for a good amount of time so uh, what he wanted to do was um, make this story but also have it accurately portray how nature is and that's why it's so brutal because nature in itself is brutal so it's Even though it is brutal, it is how nature works, so it's a very uh, educational piece, if you will, um, because he did accurately portray how rabbits act in certain situations, and these are how actual rabbits would act in those particular situations so
0: well and, and to come come along that the reason it's rated the way it is or violent the way it is is one one of the rabbits gets caught in a, a snare and you yep. know, it's choking him to death you see blood yep. coming out of his mouth another scene one of the rabbits walks out of the wooded area and gets picked up by a bird so she's gone
3: yeah
0: <laughs> and then um also, uh, towards the end, with the when they're taking on the big bad rabbit, yeah, you know, the there's a lot uh, of general um, wound, wound ward, I think
1: wound ward, yeah. Um,
0: when they have their big fight scene, you know, they're just clawing and fighting each other, and then and then um, he
1: ends up getting a hold of one of the rabbits and takes his neck out, right? Yeah.
0: And then um, the bird comes and helps him. I'm not going to give the rest of the movie away, but yeah. that's just some of the stuff that you'll see in this movie. So, Terrence, is it uh, a must-watch?
1: I would say so. Um, along with an honorable mention of also watch, since we mentioned it, also watch Secret and M. These are two uh, older animations that uh, hold up very well, uh, and definitely check it out. Now, I have to myself check out the 1999 series because I didn't know there was one, and I want to watch the newer one, especially because once again they have a solid cast. For
0: and it. not only that, but the CGI they could do now is just oh yeah, put it over exactly. The top. Uh, i i recently just watched this movie probably about two weeks ago um because you had mentioned it about being your mom's so i wanted to get it done before we did this um i was very impressed i mean i can't believe i had never heard of it i mean i've heard of the name but i never put two and two together about what it was about because you think watership down i'm thinking is this a submarine movie (laughs) you know i mean something like that (laughs) a war movie uh, you know like a pirate movie i didn't know uh but i i really enjoyed it so yeah definitely give it a check out um if you like animation movies and you don't mind watching them. So um, we did want to say, before we get into some other unknown facts, we we do want to say happy belated Mother's Day. Uh, I'll say happy Mother's Day to my mom. Uh, you know, I love you. We don't get to see each other as often as we like, but we're closer than Taryn and his mom. Uh, Taryn's mom lives in California. Yeah all the way in um, So he doesn't so. really get to see her maybe once a year if that. Yeah,
1: because um, of my heptic schedule, I, I do reach out when I can. Hi, Mom. Hope you're listening to this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted my mom to know that I do love you and uh, thanks for all you do for us. You're you're one of the best moms and uh great nana to your grandkids. So if you'd like to say something. Oh, yeah, you.
1: sure. I mean, I'll keep it so short and sweet. Uh, mom, if you're listening to this, I love you so much and you, you do so much and I always call her Super Mom because <laughs> uh, she, she can do everything. Um, but yeah, uh, she's always been there for me, and uh, you know my family and stuff like that. And wonderful, 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 wonderful mom. Um, which you know, it all—it's always uh, I always feel you know blessed and lucky. Uh, to have the mom that I have. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you you hear the unfortunate uh, sort of issues with other families, and you talk to friends who aren't so close to their family, and um, I always just realize how lucky I am to have the mom I do.
0: Um, And we also want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Absolutely. And also, even if you... um, only have a dog or a cat or an animal, a reptile, whatever. Uh, it's You're still a mom to those animals. Exactly. So we want to make sure you have a special day, too. And we want to make sure that you, know, you have a happy Mother's Day, even though it's belated. Whatever the day is, hope you're having a good day.
1: I mean, in my heart, every day's Mother's Day. <laughs> I always appreciate my mom and all moms. <laughs>
0: right. They, they do not get enough credit for what exactly. all they go through. Um, and happy Mother's Day to my wife for putting up with me and our two kids. So now we're going to jump into some uh, previously... Uh, movies that we've published previously covered. Episodes, yeah. uh, movies that we've covered. I went back. I told you there was a lot of Wizard of Oz facts that I was going to come up with, and I got like another page and a half of Wizard of Oz, <laughs> plus a couple other facts from a couple other episodes, which I'll tell you as we go along. So here we go. We're going way back to episode one, The Wizard of Oz. Are you ready, Terrence? Let's to jump into to it. Oz? <laughs> L. Frank Baum wrote The Wonderful Wizard of Oz in Chicago and immediately sensed it would be a big hit. It was published in 1900. Fascinating fact, Baum had only been to Kansas once. Huh. So it was amazing he could incorporate that story into a book if he's only been there once. In 2007, nearly 70 years after its release, the Munchkins were given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. There were 124 actors and were credited, credited collectively in the film as Munchkins.
1: So they, like, fit 124 names on one star? No,
0: or? they just, it's just known as the Munchkins. Oh,
1: okay, gotcha. So,
0: uh, six horses were used for the horse of many colors. I thought it was only one, and they just kept changing the the gelatin on it. But it was yeah. actually six different horses. Um, they had to hurry and get the scene shot because the horses would try to lick off the flavored liquid gelatin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Those uh, horses have some crazy personalities. Yeah,
0: they do. Uh, The song, Over the Rainbow, was ranked number one by the American Film Institute in 2004 and on the top 100 greatest songs in American film list. Huh. The Tin Man's Oil was actually chocolate sauce because oil wouldn't show up well on the Technicolor film.
1: That makes sense, Yeah. yeah.
0: As stated in episode one, Judy Garland tried to adopt Toto, but Judy Garland also had four dogs at this time. Toto died at the age of 11 in 1945.
1: That's about an average age for a dog. Right? So in dog years,
0: what's that, 77? Yeah. yeah. Jack Haley, the tin man, always said making the film was hard work and not fun at all. His suit was so stiff, he had to lean against walls and boards to rest. Yeah. In a bizarre twist, Judy Garland's daughter, Liza Minnelli, married Jack Haley's son, Jack Haley Jr. Huh. That, so, that I didn't know. So the tin man's man son married Judy Dor- Dorothy's daughter. When asked whether he regretted not receiving residual payments from The Wizard of Oz, you know how uh, Bruce Willis got all that residual and Yeah. Kind of, so, asked whether he regretted not receiving residual payments for The Wizard of Oz. Ray Bolger, who played the Scarecrow, replied that he got something better. Immortality.
1: That's true. Yeah, when, you, when you're When you part of an uh, iconic movie such as The Wizard of Oz, you're pretty much immortalized at that point.
0: You know, and I'd kind of like to... I would have kind of liked to meet these actors and actresses, you know, like Tin Man and, and all these. You know, like today you go to like a Comic Con or whatever and you get autographs of these people. Yeah. I would just like to talk to him. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, absolutely. Like, was he noticed outside of the films, you know, like today's social media and all that, but was he noticed like just walking around, hey, you're the scarecrow or whatever? Oh, yeah, what I mean? exactly. This was funny, I found. The Cowardly Lion says, What makes the Sphinx the seventh wonder in a scene of the movie? But the Sphinx isn't even one of the seven wonders of the world at all.
1: (laughs) That is pretty hilarious.
0: This is another funny one. When reciting the Pythagorean theorem after receiving his diploma from the wizard, Scarecrow actually recites it incorrectly. (laughs) At least he was close. (laughs) Judy Garland was elevated to star status during filming and was given her own portable dressing room. In wrestling, Judy didn't even see the film until one year after its release. Oh, wow. I noticed a lot of people didn't do that. Yeah. The original Cowardly Lion costume worn by Burt Lahr sold for $3.1 million in November 2014 to a collector. It originally sold for $2,400 in 1970. Jeez. Yeah. Wow, that was an investment. I mean, it...
1: There's probably some huge... Obviously, there's huge, huge fans of this, so I, I can see someone forking out that much money. $3.1
0: Hey,
1: you'd be surprised, <laughs> man.
0: The Scarecrow's rubber mask was glued to Bolger's face and sealed off his pores from perspiring. After dancing, his face got so hot that he felt like it would explode. Also, the lines from the mask were so pushed against his face that the indentations and creases were still there a year later. Oof. Man, that's a rough... That's, rough go, that's so rough. Yeah. <laughs> also, there was a total of forty rubber masks used by the Scarecrow in filming. They would disintegrate under the hot lights Oof, from the Technicolor and all that. Over one hundred dogs auditioned for Toto. Toto was trained at the Hollywood Dog Training School. Her first film role was in nineteen thirty-four in Bright Eyes, which starred Shirley Temple. So, uh,
1: sorry, back to the previous fact with yes, the sir. lights. Um so I've I've been on set with those lights. It gets hot. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, you have easily on set, you'll have, you know, anywhere from like five to up, you know, five five and up, uh, uh, different lighting um, and stuff. And they, you just really feel the heat after a while.
0: But, I mean, that also goes, remember we said in episode one about uh, the uh, Cowardly Lion, his costume was that they would have two people just air it out because yeah. he sweated so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a scene where the Wicked Witch turned the, t- was, uh, turned the Tin Man into a human beehive, but was later edited out of the final version. And uh, I think it does happen in the book. And she does say something to him in the movie, but I'll make a beehive out of you if I remember correctly. The Wicked Witch that Miss Gulch transformed into while Dorothy looks out her bedroom window during the tornado scene has shimmering shoes on as if she is wearing ruby slippers. Now, see, that's something I didn't catch. I need yeah. to check that out. During filming, a label was discovered, and this was one of the most interesting facts of everything that I've covered about The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. During filming, a label was discovered in Professor Marvel's coat saying property of L. Frank Baum, who was the author of The Wizard of Oz books. The coat was given to his wife after filming. The coat had been purchased at a local thrift store. Wow. So it is the actual coat of the author that Professor Marvel is using in the movie. That's interesting. Huh. I think that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. The art department spent over a week on deciding what shade for the yellow brick road. Ultimately, they went with a basic yellow house paint. It worked. Um, and in the episode one, I said Judy Garland was uh, uh, casted over Shirley Temple. They wanted Shirley Temple. But actually, she was the third choice uh, for Dorothy behind Shirley Temple and Dina Durbin. I did not know that. Hmm. Ironically, Scarecrow, all he wants is a brain. But along the journey, he actually comes up with all the ideas. So he had a brain all he along. He had a brain all along. Um, it was actually Judy Garland's body double in black and white dress opening the door into Munchkin Land. Garland, then dressed in blue, walks out into the colorful world. Huh. The Wiz- You know, uh, all along, I thought this was like Judy Garland's one of her first movies. Actually, The Wizard of Oz was actually her 13th film. Oh, Wow. I or did not know the that.
1: other 12 just uh, like lower, not so notable? I, or? I don't know.
0: I, I, I didn't look it up, but I was like 13. Wow. You know, yeah, <laughs> I was like. up there. I thought it was like one of her premier roles. But here's something else. Judy Garland could only work four hours per day as she had three hours of schooling and one hour of playtime. Most actors were on the set from 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. So just seeing this movie that's not a lot of time to be on set just four hours a day you know what i mean
1: yeah that's um, very little time and to...
0: she being the star of the movie yeah how they did that you know what I
1: mean? and those and the, the the rest of that time at uh, the 4 a.m to 8 p.m um yeah rough hours but that's that's pretty average right. uh, when you're on set uh, you end up spending a lot of time there
0: in Munchkinland, the water for the pond was dyed blue, but the ducklings they put in absorbed the ink, so they eventually just painted the bottom of the pond blue instead. <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" So that there you go. That's the um, episode one, The Wizard of Oz facts that I had found. Uh, we're moving into episode two, Psycho, where I made a blunder. Um, I stated that uh, Janet Lee uh, was played or played in Halloween as um, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom or uh, the secretary to her. But actually, it was actually in the movie Halloween H2O. So that was my fault. It was in my notes. I just well, I went back and listened to the podcast. So I was like, well, that's not right. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure we corrected it. And then uh, just uh, the last episode in the Magnificent Seven, um, we had the Veracruz incident that we referred to. So I'm going to give a little history about the Veracruz incident from the actual history. And then we will tell you why uh, it became such a big problem. Controversy. For the controversy yeah. for the Magnificent Seven. So the Veracruz incident. United States occupation of Veracruz, April to November 1914, uh, the occupation of Veracruz, the chief port of the east coast of Mexico, by military forces of the United States during the civil wars of the Mexican Revolution. Victory for the United States in a one-sided battle resulted in U.S. troops occupying the city for six months. By early 1914, U.S. support for the military regime of General Victoriano Herrera during the Mexican Revolution had been withdrawn. Woodrow Wilson's election as president led to the U.S. opposition to a regime Wilson considered illegitimate, and an embargo was placed on arms arms transfers to Huerta. Tensions then arose over the so-called Tampico affair. On April 9th, several unarmed sailors from the crew of the USS Dolphin—nice name, by the (laughs) way— anchored into the southeastern Mexico port of Tampico, were arrested after landing uh, in a restricted dock area, detained for an hour and a half. U.S. President Wilson demanded a 21-gun salute to the U.S. flag as an apology. The apology was made, but President Herta refused the salute. This development, in conjunction with the Yipigon incident in which the U.S. learned that the SS Paranja, a German steamer, was about to deliver weapons and munitions to the Mexican government at Veracruz in violation of the arms embargo that the U.S. had instituted it compelled Wilson to order the U.S. military to seize the port. So there's a little bit of history about the Veracruz incident, uh, but the the main thing that they had a problem with was, was there was a movie called Veracruz in 1954, right, Terrence? Yeah, it was
1: 1954.
0: And uh, the reason it became such a big issue is how the Mexicans were portrayed In the film.
1: Very poorly. Um, Very poorly. Basically, what the consistency is. And it's interesting because uh, I've never, neither of us have have seen the movie, Um, but upon like researching it uh, for this particular, uh, you know, bonus information, uh, we found out that uh, it was a very controversial movie for one, but it's also um, well rated at the same time. Uh, We did, excuse me, we did learn that. it was one of the first spaghetti westerns, uh, and it was sort of what kicked off uh, and inspired a lot of different Italian directors uh, to continue making westerns, which is really interesting. Very Because um, you think about westerns, it's very um, either uh, Hispanic or, uh, you know, American, um, so to know that a lot of westerns are made by Italians is interesting.
0: Yep, very So, with that being said, we're coming down to the close of our special Mother's Day slash bonus episode. Um, If you would like to reach out to us, our email is thetragedyofcinema at gmail.com. We can be found on iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and coming soon, a few others once I get the confirmation email. I'll let you you guys know that in a future episode. Uh, But stay tuned, because the next time we record, we will be diving into... The Teenage
1: Mutant yep. Ninja Turtles. And once again, like, as always, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, watch it before you watch the, <laughs> the before you listen to our episode. It's a very fun movie. Um, if you haven't seen it already, please do. Yeah,
0: and uh, we thank everyone <clears throat> for listening. Uh, just uh, as of last night, we actually have a listener in Saudi Arabia.
3: Which
0: yeah. I don't know how that happened, but thank you for listening, sir or ma'am or child. <laughs> um, keep it up. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. <laughs> you know, right. uh Uh, get the word out we enjoy hearing from everybody so with that being said i think that's a wrap and And cut. cut